We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform. The Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same. And love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. The doctrine of righteousness. The doctrine of righteousness. I know for some of you, you know, the word righteousness is going to sound like a big deal. It's going to sound like a very big word. And I won't blame you because, you know, for myself, even as a believer, many years after being saved, it's still a subject that, you know, you don't want to double into or you do, even when certain preachers, no disrespect to anybody, you know, find it hard to even understand some of all these things. Don't forget that we had established when we started this teaching series that the word doctrine simply means certain sets of beliefs. Okay? That's another word for doctrine. So you hear, you know, some churches saying, oh, this is a doctrinal ministry. In this ministry, we teach the doctrine. We do this. When you hear all of all those things, if you attend to this church, don't be, don't, if you attend this church, don't be bamboozled. They are simply saying to you that these beliefs as laid down in the word of the Lord, these things are the things that we do. Bible speaking, I think it was Paul saying to Timothy, say these things that I've committed into your hands that you've seen me do, he says you also commit the same thing unto faithful men. So when we're talking about doctrines or these beliefs, we're simply yet again talking about very basic things. You know, the doctrine of prayer and fasting. It's a doctrine. The doctrine of word, of studying of the word. It's a doctrine. Giving, it's a doctrine because it's a belief. Salvation, holy communion, um, um, baptism by immersion, baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. These are doctrines. And you dare not lay claim to being a genuine believer in Christ Jesus and not believe in these things. Because the template via which your life is being lived or should be lived and via which your life should be measured at this point should be what you found the disciples do. Matthew down on to the book of Revelations. Jesus speaking in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 1. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 1. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 1. Take a look at it. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. Meaning that Jesus himself did not stop until he ascended on earth. Don't forget that before he ascended or while he ascended on I actually before he ascended on I, he had made a promise that the spirit of the Lord, you know, would come into man. So then, at that point, we became the carriers. We became the dispensers, you know, of these values and these beliefs and these doctrines that Jesus, that Jesus held, held to heart. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So again, we're going to be taking a, look, taking a look at what righteousness is. By that, we'll then also see what righteousness is not. We'll take a look at about how righteousness is obtained. How does righteousness come or how does a man become righteous? Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Then there is something I also want us to do though, that I'd like us to do. Is to actually take a look at the righteousness of Job. 
Then we'll take a look at the benefits of being righteous. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Let's see Romans chapter number 3, 19 to 26. Okay. This is going to be a pretty lengthy read. And I would just like you to just follow me. Romans chapter number 3. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Verses 19 to 26. Romans chapter number 3. Verses 19 to 26. Amen. Glory to God. If you all remember very well, you'd hear Minister Peace last week Wednesday saying that she believes that if anyone wants to learn about righteousness, what she asks you to do? Anybody, can anyone remember? What she asks you to do? You all can remember. Um, Peace, can you remember what you asked them to do? Yes. It's that you go take your time and read the book of Romans. So let's see Romans chapter number 3, 19 to 26. Verse 19 of the book of Romans says, Now we know that whatever the law... Can, can you give me an NLT version? Let's read NLT for the purpose of this teaching tonight. New Living Translation. NLT, please. Take a look at this is Romans chapter number 3, 19 to 26. He says, obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. Verse 20 says, verse 20 says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Without keeping the requirement of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophet long ago. So then, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, glory to Can you display the Bible verse for them to see in the auditorium? Right? By faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are. Hallelujah. Then verse 23 says. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. What's the verse? Okay. Let's keep on reading to 26. 24 now. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. 25 now. 25 says, For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God. Listen, take a look at it. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life, shed in his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being feared when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. 26, the last verse now. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fear and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. The doctrine of righteousness. So now... This is not going to be the very first time I'm going to be doing a teaching on this, on this subject. Alright? If you've been in this ministry long enough, you would have heard teachings, you know, made on this subject, you know, multiple times. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Amen. The doctrine of righteousness. The doctrine of righteousness. The doctrine of righteousness. The word righteousness, let, let's begin with that. The word righteousness in Hebrew, it's the Greek word called tzaddik. Tzaddik. T-S-A-D-I-Q, tzaddik. In Greek, it, it is called dikaiosune. Okay? Don't be bothered about all those words. The reason why I usually go that route is to break these teachings, you know, these things down to you. And whether you check it in Aramaic or Hebrew or in Greek, righteousness means one same thing. What does it simply mean? It simply means it's a state of being upright. A state of being just. It's a state of being blameless. A state of being whole. It's a state of being flawless. When you're talking about righteousness, this is what you're talking about. So you study in your Bible, you know, God saying, that, I mean, the Bible teaching, you know, that our God is a righteous God. Our God is a righteous God. Our God is a righteous God. Or be cleansed from all form of unrighteousness. It's simply explaining that you should become upright. You should become whole. You should become flawless. You should become blameless. All right? So this, you know, fundamentally, it is the attribute of God. Righteousness is the nature of God. You see, before you to fully understand this teaching this, this evening, I'm going to break it into multiple parts for you. And you see, because a teaching under the subject of the doctrine of righteousness cannot be fully completed without a touching on the subject of law, on the subject of faith, on the subject of sin. And on the subject of grace. That was why I allowed peace to take, you know, Minister Peace to take, you know, that, that she took last week, the doctrine of salvation. That's actually the beginning. She went on to explaining the fall of man. So for this part of this teaching this morning, I'm going to take it first from the aspect of law. Alright? Then we'll go into faith. Then we'll go into grace. Then we'll go into sin. And that way you'll be able to understand the dichotomy between righteousness and law. Or righteousness and sin. Or righteousness and grace. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Now righteousness as the case where, you know, is, like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's the state of being blameless. The state of, being, of not being flawed. The state of being upright. The state, you know, of being whole. The law, let's begin with that. The law was given to Moses. We saw that in the Bible. Bible, Exodus chapter number 20. We saw that in the scripture, Exodus chapter number 20. The law was given to Moses, you know, such that the children of Israel may live according to certain standards as the Lord wants. That was one of the reasons why the laws were given to Moses. You cannot understand what righteousness is about, you know, from what, I mean, in actual fact, without understanding how laws came into being. 
without understanding how sin came into being. So please follow me tonight. So laws were given to Moses. You call them the Torah. T-O-R-A-H. Okay? The Torah, or you call them the Ten Commandments, as you find, thou shalt not kill. Um, thou shalt not um, serve any other God. Thou shalt not, um, you know, covet your neighbor's, um, you know, um, wife. Thou shalt not, you know, love your father, your mother, obey your father, your mother. So that you, you know, all those laws were there. The ten of them, we saw them in the scripture. Now, God gave them these things because that became like a template via which God desired that the children of Israel should live their lives. It was an attempt by the Lord because you see, the Bible tells us that God cannot behold iniquity. Alright, so if you take a look at all those Ten Commandments, for example, they were in things that God just came up with they were actually things that God noticed or discovered these people or were missing in the lives of the people. Take for example, thou shalt not murder. We had read previously that Cain had killed Abel. Do you understand what I'm saying now? So what God done with the Ten Commandments or with the Torah, you know, was to gather together everything that makes these people unrighteous before him. All right, gathered them together and then presented them unto Moses and say, These are the things I need them to do, these are the ways I desire that they should live their lives. However, that same law of the laws that God gave them, it's actually also this, the reason for sins. Listen, the reason why you know that you've committed a sin is because there is a law. Law promotes sin consciousness. Availability of the law is the reason why you know when you run foul of the law, then you know you've committed a sin. When you committed a sin, you're no longer righteous. You are actually at that point blameful, not blameless. You understand what I'm saying now? You understand what I'm saying now? Now, before God, you cannot have a relationship with the Lord without you being blameless, without you being without flaws, without you being righteous. You can't talk to the Father. He cannot, he does not behold iniquity. So in your saints, you cannot, he cannot stand, you cannot stand before him. He cannot hear you. He cannot have anything to do with you because you are not righteous. So these laws were then given such that man may become righteous, even though by works. And I'm going to get that. So why were the laws given? Number one, laws were given such that society may function. Laws were given so that society may function. What do I mean by that? The reason why the police will flag you down, right? When you have a 50, take for example, in the city of Regina, except otherwise indicated, whenever you're driving and you do not find the speed limit anywhere, you must do 50 kilometers per hour. Over the weekend, actually since Thursday when I got into the city of Calgary, because of some things I needed to do, I began to drive around the city of Calgary. And I saw that the law over there was different. In the city of Calgary, except otherwise instructed, your maximum speed limit is 40 kilometers per hour. So then you run into error, you run into sin the moment you flout that. The reason why you stop when you are driving at a red light is simply because there is a law that says red means stop. And if you flout it, in fact, there is a camera there to capture you. 
And in an environment like this, they, they would so they're so nice. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. They will package it very well with your plate number, with your vehicle. You, you, you cannot deny it. You can't deny that. They will package it very well, then send it to your house. Then you will behold it as the only begotten of the Father. Hallelujah. So I'm simply saying tonight that what amplifies sins, it's law. The law is the reason why you know you have sinned. You know you've committed the sin because the Bible says don't. And when you do, you've run foul. The moment you run foul in those days, if you, are you become unrighteous. And the moment you're unrighteous, you can no longer stand before God. That's why you would read. I think Jeremiah or Isaiah says, The Lord is not deaf, neither is his hand too short to save you. He says, But your iniquity has taken you, created a distance between you and God because you've become unrighteous. You've become filthy. You've become with sin. You are, you're full of sin. You are, you are blameful, not blameless. You are no longer whole. You're no longer complete. Your hands are now salt. You are now dirty. To the Lord, you can no longer appear. So all those laws, you don't know what they used to do? In an attempt for them in those days, you know, to then become righteous, you know what they do? Whenever they then flout, don't forget, whenever you flout any of God's laws, you've committed a sin, you've become unrighteous. At the point of being unrighteous, you cannot have anything to do with the Lord again, except, you know, you do an atonement of sins. You know what they used to do then? I've done teachings on this with you before too. What they used to do then is, when you then commit adultery, um, fornication, you steal, you killed, you did whatever, you then go to the market or wherever. Go get an animal. Then the blood and the fat in the animal will be used to cleanse your sin. To restore you from an unrighteous state to a righteous state. Because the Bible again cannot be broken. The word of the Lord says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. No sin on earth can ever be forgiven without the shedding of blood. Yes, that's how serious God is. God cannot behold sin. He cannot behold iniquity. For that sin to be let go, for that sin to be forgiven, blood would have to speak. Blood would have to be shed. Then they continued in that manner. Every one of them. So you do this one today, you go. You go get your own animals. Tomorrow, you go. You go get your animal. Then you bring it to the priest. And if you study your Bible, take for example, the children of Samuel, the children of Eli. These guys were living large. Okay? They were living large. They were living large. They were living the life, right? On all the animals that people were bringing. Okay, take for example, for me as a priest. Imagine Adasa and Lashe. Don't even take it by me. Put me aside. That one will scatter ground for you. So my that means my house and the church will be full. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. But for me, I'll just give you an instruction. Don't bring calf. Don't bring cow. Don't bring tortoise dove. Goat is what you should bring. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. I just said, it's goat. You should go and bring it. You bring goat to me. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Then I have some sons and daughters who are like glutons too. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Somebody like this, Tenny, for example, will want to come and eat out of it. 
after I've assured you, okay, it's been slaughtered, your sins have been forgiven, the fat has been burnt, so now the rest of the, of the animal will use it to do barbecue. Hallelujah. Barbecue meat. Hallelujah. So that was the practice. And it continued that way. Until the Lord himself you know said and made a, made a proclamation at this point the blood of animals the blood of goats the blood of bulls the blood of heifers they are not sufficient to cleanse man from sin they are not sufficient to making man righteous because every time you're, you're consistently switching from righteousness to unrighteousness, righteousness to part-time, you're switching. Then in the 16th verse of the book of John chapter number 3, Jesus himself, Bible then tells us, what God did. He says, because he loved the whole world, he gave his only begotten son for the sins of man, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, I don't want to jump the gun, but take this from me tonight. One of the things that righteousness does for you, is that it translates you from death into life. It translates you from, from, from um, 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 a timed living into a timeless living. That's one of the things it does for you. Then Jesus, you know, had to then shed his blood. If you go through the book, the Bible, the book of Hebrews specifically, the writer of the book of Hebrew made us to understand that without the shedding of blood that there is no remission of sins. He says, if those bloods, if they were sufficient, if they were solid, if they were good enough, there wouldn't have been any need for Jesus to die. So number one, laws were given that society may function. God also gave them then such that there will be a law, there will be an order. That's what's called law and order. All right. Imagine, take for example, there is no law against speed limits, no law against theft, no law against murder, no law against anything. Can you imagine how lawless the society is going to be? The law is good. But what made the law terrible is that it promotes the consciousness of sin. It prevents, it clips your ability to walk in, in freedom. It clips your ability from walking in love. That's what it does. That's the, that, that's the downside. They, they ask Jesus, say, have you come to abolish the law? Jesus said, no, I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill the law. I have come to fulfill the law. And when you study, I'm going to get there, Matthew chapter number 22. If you begin to study and you get to verse number 34, down what? you then begin to see what Jesus meant. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the first commandment. He says, and the second one is like, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. He says, on these two hands, all the laws and the prophet. Why? Because it is in the love of God that the laws of Moses were fulfilled. Because think about it. I share this practically all the time. Go through all those ten commandments. Actually, some people say there are more than ten. But let's just take just the ten. Right? Thou shalt not murder. If you love your neighbor, would you ever think about murdering them, killing them? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not fornicate. Thou shalt honor your father and your mother. If you love your parent, would you ever think about disobeying them? 
Think about that. It is the absence of love that promotes, that elevates laws and unrighteous living. Listen, these are basic things that you must know as a believer. Otherwise, the devil is going to keep you bound. He will perpetually present to you why you are worthless before God and why you can never be made right with God. Because you've not understood that even though, yes, those things exist, Christ sees you beyond the many flaws that you have. Number two, the law was given so that humans can see their sins and reckon with the need for a savior. If not for laws, would they have a need for a savior? If not for laws, perhaps there wouldn't even be heaven and earth. Laws were given so that man, you know, can see, humans can see their sins and reckon with the need for a savior. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Number three, why was the law given? Number three, that man may please God. That man may do what? That man may please God. Bible tells us that God himself, after he had created everything on earth, after he had done all that he needed to do, Bible tells us that he went around, you know, and took a look at Bible says God was sorry that he made man. The creator of man himself declared. He said, the thought and the intent of man, it is perpetually evil and wicked. The thought and the intent of man, it's perpet not wicked and evil. You right? Go study your Bible, you will say it. It is perpetually so. In other words, man's heart, man's soul, man's spirit, man, the entirety of man's being is consistently on a state of wickedness. That's the reason why you should not be surprised. When you hear from the news tomorrow, you know that somebody carries a gun, goes into a store and begins to kill everybody. Listen, any soul that is not regenerated has the capacity and the propensity, you know, for those things recorded concerning the fall of man. That was what God was talking about. The Bible also tells us, it says the gospel of Christ, it says for the ones who are perishing, it says it's foolishness. It doesn't make sense. They will never understand. Because the prince of this world also blinds the heart of man from being able to see in the reality. So the law was there. The law brought about the consciousness of sins. Because it is through laws that you know that you've committed a sin. If you committed a sin in your office, if you do a fraud, there will be a policy there. If you fight, there will be a policy there. If it is in the lotus, there is a policy there. Every society operates on law and order. But in respect to the kingdom, in respect to the kingdom of God, it's actually much more than that. God's intention for those laws was not to keep humans bound. His intentions were not to keep humans bound. His intentions were to elevate man to the measure of righteousness that he possesses as God. Such that both man and God can continue to interrelate without the devil having any leeway. But the consistent fall of man brings about, you know, this unrighteous living. And except you are righteous, listen, 
Take, 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 take this from me tonight. See. Eat. You, to, to relate with God, to deal with God, to receive anything from God, to being able to declare Jesus as Abba, you need only one thing. Sadiq. Righteousness. Except, go study your Bible. Romans chapter number one. Take your time. I'm being a student of the word. Take your time. If I, if I may even encourage you, this season that we are teaching the series on the word works, and with this, you know, doctrinal teachings we're taking, I for you, maybe from tonight, I will just pick up my Bible and begin to study the book of Romans. Your eyes will open. And you'll realize that before you get to the end, actually before you get to Romans chapter number 10, you would have been freed. To receive anything from the Lord, you only need to be righteous. You only need to be righteous. Not the righteousness brought about huh, by the blood of goats, of turtle dove, of animals. No. Not the righteousness earned by works. Now, let me now go to that other one now. So, let's take a look at law. I mean, law, righteousness versus work. Or righteousness versus work. You know, I'd explain to you from the beginning how this all, all this started. The fall of man, the Ten Commandments, and how the laws, you know, promote the consciousness of sins. And now man then consistently needs to become righteous before God. You then know what man used to do? Man then began to be super conscious of the things they were doing in an attempt to earn in the righteousness of God. Are you getting it? Follow me tonight. So man, man began to be super careful. So you, you, you think then they worked hard. You'd have to be morally upright. You'd have to, you know, um, be the generous giver, be the Mr. Nice guy in your community to being able to earn the righteousness of God. To being able to prove to God that you are blameless, you are flawless, you are without spot, you are without wrinkles. Because that's what righteousness means. They were continuing on this line. And for you to fully understand that, you need to go study the book of Job. Bible describes Job as a man blameless before God. The life of Christ was not imputed in the life of Job. So that tells you that Job's righteousness was righteousness of works. That was actually what angered God about Job. Because at that level, at that level, that level of righteousness almost equated Job's righteousness to God's righteousness. Job found himself beyond flaws. As a matter of fact, if you go study your Bible, you'll see, Bible says that when he's making sacrifices and atonement and all of that, he would, you know, offer sacrifices for sins that have been committed. He will go a step further offer sacrifices for sins that were committed unknowingly, he will go a step further, begin to offer sacrifices on behalf of his children. Bible says because he said to himself, they may have committed an error, being on the wrong side of God without me knowing. So Job, as the father, goes an extra length, you know, to being made, to offering sacrifices unto God on their behalf. So that gave him the toga or that gave him the capacity to equate himself before God. So when God then gave the devil the opportunity or the permission to strike in Job, Job then became angry. Why would God do that? I'm a man blaming. What do you want God that I haven't done or that I'm not doing? 
He began to query God. He began to question God. If you then go further on to go study your Bible down from Job chapter number 18, 20, 21 down to 30 something, you will then begin to see God then begin to ask him questions. So where were you when I formed the heavens and the earth? So where were you when I created the angels? So where were you when I divided the seas? Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did that? Because Job felt he was extremely blameless. Please don't bring down my microphone. It just did. Leave it the way it was. God bless you. Turn anointing speaking through you. Are you on with me tonight? Are you, let's see very quickly. Job chapter number one. It was God. Please raise this thing back to where it was. Thank you. It was God who gave Job the opportunity. I mean who gave the devil the opportunity of striking Job. You'll see now. Job chapter number one. Job chapter number one. I hope someone is getting blessed tonight. Would you celebrate Jesus, please? Job chapter number one. Take a look at what the word says. God bless you in the NLT. Yes, thank you. There, was, there once was a man. Please, can you display it on the screen for them? Okay, all right. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless. Go check. What did I tell you? The word righteousness me or righteous me. Blameless, right? He was, so he was saying that he was righteous. So then he says, There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz, who was blameless, a man of complete integrity. That's what righteousness means. A man of complete integrity. Bible says he feared God and stayed away from evil. What else do you need to become righteous? Take a look at it. He had, verse number two, thank you. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Take a look at the next verse. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify. Can you see? Job would do what? Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. What a man. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? He would offer up, you know, burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. Bible says this was Job's regular practice. It was his way of life. Consistently he was doing this. Take a look at the next verse. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, you know who that is? The devil. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Can you imagine? Members of the heavenly court, they came. And the devil also came with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He then says, where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord. I have been patrolling the earth, watching for everything that's going on. Next verse. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? It was the Lord himself who asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless. Give me this verse number 8 in NKJV. Let's see what NKJV calls that. 
then we'll go back to NLT. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. If that's going to be a trouble, please let me know so I can just move on. Okay, so now, a man of complete integrity, he fears God and stays away from evil. NKJV says, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. This was God making a boast about his creation. So, Job, in all strata, and regardless of how you choose to view it, must have indeed been a blameless, super careful dude. Everything the Lord does not desire, he does not do. He does only what God does, what God desires, and what, God, what makes God happy. Go back to NLT, please, and let's see verse number 9. So Satan answered the Lord, NLT. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Satan replied to the Lord, yes, that Satan reckons that all that you have said concerning him, they were true. He says, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. In other words, all the things that Job was doing, Satan was saying to the Lord, listen, that guy isn't doing those things for nothing. He's smart. He knows what he was doing. He went further on to explain. He said, the reason why Job is blameless offers the sacrifices, doing good, and doing everything he was doing. He says, it's simply because you have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. He's called accuser of the brethren. Job then said, I mean, the devil then said, you God, you think he's doing all of all those things for fluke? Do this. You will reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Did you see that? Reach out, take, strip him of everything he has, and it will surely cause you to your face. Another version says it will cause you to death. Listen, this isn't the reality of some of you under the sound of my voice. God is good when all things are rosy. When you go for that interview, you know, you land the job. How carabos, zotana, no mato. Oh my Lord, my God, who is like you? Then when it doesn't go the way you feel like you should go. Okay, so God, what exactly do you want? Even Peter, your son, he knows I'm committed, I'm faithful, I'm loyal. I'm not even going to church again. If they call me, I just will not show up. Some of you have denied Christ because of certain ephemeral thing that doesn't work in your life. You stay back at home and say, I will join the e-church. Because certain expectations that you have were not met. Literally, did you know that it was the accuser of the brethren projecting certain thoughts into your heart? May nothing take you away from the Lord's presence in Jesus' name. Verse number 12. This was Jesus, or the God. God then said, all right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, so it was the Lord himself who gave Satan the permission. Did you see that? It was the Lord who gave Satan the permission to test in Job. How many of you have read the book of Job before? See, you, some of you may need to go read it, read it again. Or you go on YouTube or something, go search 
videos on it. Okay, so see, this, this book would help you to understand uh, uh, the silly nature of earth, of this world. How fruitless it is. He says, all right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. He says, do whatever you want with everything he possesses. Then the Lord gave him a restriction. But don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. He didn't leave the Lord's presence to fold his arms. He went into action. You need to go study the book to fully understand. He struck and attacked everything that Job had. And Job too, with his friend, would then sit and then began to equate himself to the Lord. So when this one was called, was I not the one who did it? So this one, what should I have done? That one of his friends said to him, say, see, see, this God, or was this friend or his wife? Say, this God that you're even calling upon. Say, curse him and, and, and die. That's better. Job said unto God, he said, now the things that I fear the most has finally come upon me. He said, why is it not better for me to die than to live and be seen this shame? When his friends came to him, you know, and they began to give him all sorts of counsels and all of that, he was the one who said to them, Job chapter 8, verse number 32. He says, there is a spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty that gives man inspiration. Even though the devil attacked him, and even though his faith was tested, you know, because he was not aware that God gave the devil the permission to test in him, and that God actually gave the devil a restriction on how far he could go in dealing with him. He declared boldly yet again in one of the verses. He says, though he slay me, yet will I, will I trust in him. At the end of the day, God said to him, he should go and forgive all his friends. He went, he went through the route of forgiveness of his friends and the things that were done against him. If you go study your Bible very well, you'll see God restored Job in multiple folds, all the things that he lost. But Job's righteousness is not the kind of righteousness that you have. That's the point I'm trying to make right now. That righteousness that Job has that made Job, you know, to equate himself to the stature of God. Huh? That then caused God to begin to ask him, where were you when I created this? Where were you when I did this? You did not have that. Because the righteousness Job was boasting about was the righteousness made of works. And sadly, some of you still try to still do the same thing. You think you can impress God. It's not, it's not a bad thing, you know, to wanting to make God happy. But you just must reckon, you must reckon that righteousness is not bought. It is a gift. Time is gone, so may I'll do part two next week Sunday, next week Wednesday, if Jesus tarries, then you will understand that. So all of them in those days, everybody strives. Everybody wants to be in the good book of the Lord. So everybody would try to, to be nice, to be kind, to be generous, to be this, to be that. So you think that the more you show kindness, you know, you know, I mean, celebrate Jesus for this church for a second. You know, one of the things I've taught you all multiple times is, is the fact that morality is not Christianity. Being good does not equal being saved. Many of you mean you miss it or you mix it. You confuse them. There are moralists. They cannot hurt a bird. 
as a matter of fact, some so-called believers are wickeder than them. Oh, you've not met moralists before? They can't hurt a, a bird. They cannot hurt a bird. If you're not careful, you'd want to choose that lifestyle as your own lifestyle. As a way of life. But you see, everything, the Mr. Good Guy, the Mr. Good Woman, that that person is claiming on the face of the earth, if the trumpet sounds today of the Lord, takes his or her breath today, ends up in the valley of the shadow of death. So for you, for you, don't forget that in Christ Jesus, you're not a believer trying to be good. You are a good believer who only knows how to be good. The capacity, the intent for evil is crushed. The Lord does not allow it to, 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 to thrive in you. That's why sometimes when someone's done something to you and you make up your mind to say you're going to do something in return. Take for example, even against your spouse sometimes. Then the Lord takes away your peace. And then okay, so I'm just going to, okay, I won't talk to him that way. Okay, I, I, I won't do that against her. Okay, I'll, I'll still get her the gift anyways. It is because the life of Christ is in you. It is because the life of Christ is in you. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So all these things are the things that you'd find. In this age, we don't become righteous by works. Let me go into that in the brevity of time that I have. And then I will show you more, you know, next week for you to fully understand some of all these things. Or let's see for Isaiah chapter number 46, verse number 64, verse number 6. Isaiah chapter number 64, verse number 6. Have you ever heard or read in the scripture, the Bible says that your righteousness is like a filthy rag before the Lord? Isaiah 64, verse 6. Take a look at We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. They are what? They are nothing but filthy rags. They are nothing but filthy rags. But listen to me very carefully. Because growing up, many people perpetuate evils and sins on the cover of this scripture. Say, after all, we are all not righteous. After all, we all cannot stand before God. After all, our righteousness is like a filthy rags. That's about a dash. The righteousness that you have in Christ Jesus via the justification of your faith in Christ Jesus can never be likened to filthy rag. As a New Testament believer, to be righteous simply means that the life of Christ, the zoe of God, has been imputed into you. Those ones, it is the righteousness of works that can become like a filthy rags. Because at that level in those days, like I was explaining to you, man tries to impress God. Okay, you try to be this, you try to be that in an attempt to impress God, to making God know that you are righteous. This, this, no, we are not trying to impress God. God is already impressed about us. Hallelujah. He's already, talk, talk to me tonight. See after me, the Lord is already impressed about me. I don't have to impress God. The Lord is already impressed about me. I don't have to impress God. 
that's not a license for sin. No, no. So when you're trying to be, when you're doing good, when you're doing, going about your life, when you're serving God, when you're giving, when you're serving in the Lord's house, when you're going out preaching the gospel to, of Christ to someone, when you're trying to do the things that you should be doing, you are not trying to making God happy. God is already happy with you. He's already happy with you. You're only being you. Did you catch that? You are, you're only being you. So you're not trying to be impressed God. Listen, I don't want to jump the gun. No, I won't say this right now. Maybe I'll keep that till next week, next week Wednesday. Jesus tires. But you need to understand this. Because if you don't, you begin to work in works. You begin to walk rather in works. Rather than in grace. Some people are serving in church. And they are walking in works towards the pastor. So it is only when Peter is around you do the things that you need to do. The moment he's not around, you don't care whose ox is God. As a matter of fact, those who are your unit lead or, you know, ministers, they can't call you, they can't share certain things with you because it hasn't come from the mouth of Peter. Something is wrong somewhere. My pastor, Pastor Femi Atoebi, of our CCG then, Akme Parish, used to call it carry mystic ministry. The ministry of carry me. Carry me in Yoruba, in English, means see me. So if you want to put it in this context, say, see meistic ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing all you can to earn in the pastor's trust. Who cares about the pastor's trust when God's, you know, you've not earned God's trust? The reward for all that you're doing. Yes, I celebrate people who are, you know, by the little way that I can, I acknowledge all they're doing and all of all those stuff, but that is nothing compared to what God would have said concerning you. So if you're not careful, if you're not careful, listen, it's the reason why many people don't also give. Because they've also been taught that you should give so that God will give back to you. Yes, that's scriptural, I agree. Because the Bible says give so that you shall be given back. Yes, that's scriptural. But you see, there is a level of giving that is not dependent on what God is going to do for you in return. It's the giving motivated by love that the Lord himself can search through your heart and see your heart. She wants to give, she truly does not have. You see, one of the testimonies that I've heard that still humbles me to today was the testimony of Sister, Sister Shilin. That daughter of mine who come to church, she had no job then, trusting God for a job. People will be giving, she would have nothing to give. I didn't know, I didn't know. But on a midweek service as this, you know, the Lord wants to revalidate exactly what she did, what he did in Shile's life. And so I declare in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, before Friday, somebody receives a good news. I said before Friday, somebody receives a good news. Before Friday, someone's offer letter is delivered. Before Friday, that interview invitation that you need, for that job to become yours is given to you. In the name of Jesus. If God did it through me for Shile Adeyoye, let him do it for you. In Jesus' mighty name. So she'd come to church. Nothing to give. I didn't know. And I'm sure you didn't know too. I don't go through the records of church to go check. You know who is giving now, who is not giving. It's none of my business. It's your personal walk with the Lord. But she said she was in that service that Wednesday. And I gave a word of knowledge that something is changing about her life or that she was getting a job. 
and that job she indeed landed it. Now, imagine for a second what her life then became. The first time she then was able, after a long while, to lift up her gadget, lift up her hand, or lift up her envelope unto God to say, thank you, Jesus, for the grace to give. Think about that for a second. That's someone who understands what it means to have and what it means not to have. This is why I always say to us that whenever you're giving, don't just give. If you want to do it, begin with gratitude. Listen, there are two folds. Some people who have the money, the thought of giving never crosses their heart. They don't give not because God has not blessed them. The Lord has blessed them. But there is no conviction. The spirit of the Lord has not taken over their soul. So they don't understand the privilege of being able to part with $5, $1, one cent unto the Lord. They don't understand. Yet, in the same meeting, there are people who are giving with the consciousness of the fact that actually, if you did not bless me, Lord, I would not have been able to have anything. So this is what I have, Lord Jesus, breathe upon this. Please accept this. That's what I always say to you all the time. When it comes to your giving, your offering, and all of all those things, it's not necessarily in the volume. It is in the state of your heart. So I'm sharing all about this things tonight right now to say that if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll begin to practice what Jesus came on earth to deliver you from. You begin to try to impress God. That's why when things are not going the way you want them to go, you then say, yeah, Lord, so what do you want? I serve. I'm always the first in the service in church. You know, during the leaders training, one of the trainings we had like two weeks ago, I was telling them, see, nobody in this church, as this church where, I, don't, I can't tell tomorrow, but as this church where right now, who can say that they do half of the things that I'm doing for the Lord? Should I shock you, sir and ma? I'm doing them not because I'm your pastor. I stand on God alone. If you want to understand the state of my heart for the father's business, go and meet my pastor. Let him tell you. Everything, anything about the father and his business gladdens my heart. You dare not call me and say, show up in church and I'll give you stories or I'll give you excuses. A tax dare not be committed into my hand and say, I don't have the time to do it or I'm stretched. Yet, in the same place, you found people who feel that they're actually doing too much for God. So they feel like giving up. I'm not saying that it's not possible for you to be overwhelmed. One of the skills you need to learn in your professional journey is actually how to say no. It's a skill. So that you just don't keep taking everything, keep taking everything, keep taking everything. And at the end of the day, you who is being touted as a performer, you now become a less performer. But I'm simply saying that we should never, we should never, if we're not careful, you think you're doing God a favor by serving in his house. See, these are the things that righteousness by works impute unto man. But there is an understanding that I have. And I've done a teaching on this too before. Bible says we all are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. So someone is the leg. Someone else is the arm. Someone is the left one. Someone is the finger. Someone is the thigh. Someone is the eye. But Christ is the head. If the eye is not there, the whole body cannot function properly. 100%. If the left arm is cut off, the whole body cannot function properly. That is the mentality that drives me. It is the reason why you see me in church. 
And it's not about the fact that, he, you know, he doesn't work full-time anymore. He now does ministry. It's not about that. It's always been my lifestyle. Such that when you begin to do all of all these things, you understand why you are doing them. And you will not be walking in error. Listen, in this age, in this dispensation, you've got nothing to impress God about. Yes, God can look down on you and say, son, I'm very proud of you. Yes. But I'm saying that don't, don't, don't keep doing things, you know, for the Lord in an attempt to say that you want to make God happy. God is not sad. Did you hear me? God is not what? God is not sad. And should I shock you? Neither is he moody. You are the one who is happy today, low tomorrow. That's not God. The doctrine of righteousness. The doctrine of righteousness. So today we've been able to touch on the law. How the law came about. We've been able to touch on sins. And how forgiveness of sins are done in those days. We've been able to also touch on, you know, the righteousness of works. Because prior to the advent of Jesus, that was the practice. Search me, O God, if there be any iniquity in my heart. That was the psalmist prayers. A very, a very valid prayer. The Lord does not behold iniquity. A very valid prayer. We've touched on the fact that the only thing that you need to be able to receive him from the Lord must be a heart that is right, that is blameless, that is just. That is righteousness. In those days, it happens to them. They earn it. They earn it. They earn it. They go and work for it, for it to be imputed. But in this day, you don't have to. As I wrap up this session this evening, let's see Romans chapter number 3, verses 19 to 20. And next week, Wednesday, I'm going to continue. Romans chapter number 3, verses 19 to 20. I hope you all are getting blessed. Romans chapter number, thank you, NLT still. God bless you. Romans 3, 19 to 20. He says, listen, he says, obviously, the law applies. Obviously, the law applies. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Um, Mr. Lois, please step out and check that person. Romans 3 from verse number 19. He says, obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show the entire world is guilty before God. Take a look at verse number 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Righteousness. Right. Huh? For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Rise up on your feet tonight. Next week, Wednesday, if Jesus tarries, we'll take a look at the things you need to know about righteousness. We'll take a look at the result or the proofs of righteousness. You see, in those days of laws, when they used to do all the things that they used to do, you see, one of the primary reasons why they did those things then, do you know why? Because they wanted to impress God. They wanted to make God happy. 
they do not want to work your work, you know, um, in unrighteousness before God. They want to be able to be blameless. And they want to be able to, like a job, you know, be boastful before God. So when we come in this age, when we come into the Lord's presence, and we lift up holy hands up unto heaven, it's not out of a place of pride. Not out of a place of sinlessness. Not out of a place of, 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 of being perfect. No, it's out of the place of now being made righteous. That there is now no condemnation against you. Because now you are in Christ Jesus. In those days, it was really, really, really terrible. Because of the Ten Commandments, like I've taught multiple times, the terrible thing about it is that if you break one, you've broken the whole ten. That was actually what necessitated the advent of Jesus on earth. Romans chapter number 4, Apostle Paul speaking in that letter to the church in Rome says, if Jesus, if, G, if the law were perfect, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. So the imperfect nature of all those laws, because how long will a man fall? Think about that for a second. How long will a man, how many times does a man want to fall? Today you say, oh, you did not commit adultery, but you murdered. You broke one, you've broken everything. That was the reason why Jesus said he did not come to abolish the laws. He says he has come to fulfill the laws. Because it is in love that the law was, 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 was fulfilled. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Would you lift up your hand up unto heaven this night? And say this quick prayer. Father, give me the capacity to begin to see in myself the way you see me. In Jesus' name. Turn down to prayer tonight. Give me the capacity, oh God, to begin to see myself the way you see me. The grace to see myself the way you see me. Lord, help me to see myself the way you see me. Help me, Lord Jesus, to see myself the way you see me. Righteousness, oh God, no longer by works, but by your faith, by my faith in you, Jesus. Righteousness not by the things that I'm going to do or the things that I'm not going to do. Come into the consciousness of your identity in Christ Jesus. Say, Father, I come into the consciousness of my identity in you. There is no doubt for no condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation against me. Jesus, I receive your life. Jesus, I have received your life and I declare tonight in the name of Jesus, no more condemnation against me. Will someone open their mouth tonight and pray, Father, give me capacity to renewing my mind to letting me understand who I am in you to letting me know that I'm worth much more than you more much more in you in the mighty name of Jesus give me capacity Lord for the renewal of my mind give me capacity for the
with the renewal of my mind that I may live this new life you've given to me. Many of you are still living the old life. Many of you are still trying to impress God. Many of you are still trying to do things that you think, oh, God will see and because of this, this will not happen to you. No, righteousness is not by works. Righteousness is a gift. There is nothing you can do right before God that would earn you the gift of righteousness. The only thing that would earn you the gift of righteousness is your faith in Christ Jesus. So would you open up your mouth tonight and pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, increase my faith in you. Increase my faith in you. Give me capacity to trust you more. Give me capacity to trust you more. Even when circumstances are saying otherwise, Jesus, give me the capacity to trust you more. When my environment is saying otherwise, give me the capacity to trust in you more. If you're watching online, I really hope you're praying tonight. Lakuma Mante. There may be challenges the devil will bring your way. There may be challenges that will come your way. That may actually test your faith. Some of you under the sound of my voice, maybe your faith is being tested tonight. Father, give me the grace to carry through. Father, give me the grace not to fall by the wayside. The Lord said to the devil concerning Job, say, go ahead and go and test him. But do not touch his soul. Jesus, help me. Help me to keep the faith. Help me to stay the course. Help me to keep the faith. Help me to stay the course. Help me to keep the faith. Help me to stay the course. Even when things around me are saying on the otherwise, help me to keep my gaze onto you as the author and the finisher of my faith. The beginning and the ending of my faith. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. At Lofty Heights, we don't like bringing our services to a close without giving someone who have an opportunity you know, for a relationship with the Lord. <coughs> you see, I share this always during Deeper. That's the Bible teaching conference I usually hold. And I usually say to them, I understand my responsibility in the Christian faith. In God's kingdom. My responsibilities, there are three. Number one is to helping everyone who comes in contact with me to understanding the identity in Christ Jesus. To opening their eyes, rather, into it. To letting them know that. Number two is to letting them understand how enormous that power in Christ Jesus is. And if you watch my life, if you watch all my teachings, you will see it always in this line. Number three is to help you to consciously and boldly walk in the reality of the power that Christ has made available for you. That's what new creations is about. So that you will no longer be bamboozled under the affairs of this world. So that the devil will no longer hold you bound. You just see that every day of your life, your heart is panting for the Lord. You just want more of him. You just, you just want to please him. You just want to, you know, do what the best thing that you can do. You just want to walk in his ways. You just want to, you know, do his will. You just want to, you know, follow his status. You, you just want to preach him. You just want to stand for him. I made that decision many years ago. Since that year, I've never had a better last year. The opportunity is now. You've never confessed the Lordship of Jesus. Never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. All eyes closed and all eyes bowed. Please say this after me. Dear Father, thank you for leading me to your house tonight. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Dear Jesus, 
thank you for choosing to die for my sins. Even in my sins. Thank you for taking the fall for me. Thank you. Because from this moment, you are imputing your righteousness into me. And you are giving me the right standing with God. The kind of right standing that the devil can no longer condemn. Jesus, I declare that I'm whole in you. I am complete in you. I am loved by you. And I live my life for you. From this moment, even to the end of time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that word, would you celebrate Jesus tonight? You know, I just was taught in the book of Romans number 10. Please, let's step forward. I was taught in the book of Romans number 10, you know, of recent. And, you know, uh, there are passages of the Bible you've read and read and read multiple times. And sometimes you then also read them and you realize that it, it seemed as though you did not read well at first. Then I saw that the word um, confess, I can't remember that Greek word right now. You know, in Romans number 10 from verse number 9, Paul saying, you know, how to lead a man to Christ, how to accept the Lordship of Jesus. He says, with a heart, man believes. He says, if you can, Romans chapter 10 from verse number 9 now, he says that if you believe in your heart that Christ is Lord and Jesus risen from the, I mean, God raised him from the dead, he says, you shall be saved. Then verse number 10 says, from the heart, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. He says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You know, that word confess in there actually means to repeat after someone. That's the reason why preachers will say, see after me, Lord Jesus. See after me this, see after me that. Hallelujah. And you don't also get saved. I've done a teaching on this too before. By, by murmuring, by, no. What word should I use now? You don't get saved by meditating salvation. You don't get saved by, I say, um, dear father, you you're not saved. He says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confessions is made unto salvation. So you say boldly, and the devil hears you. What a joy to be saved. Can you rejoice in the spirit for a few seconds? Narcoso, come on, spread, pray, speak in the Holy Ghost for a few seconds. Rejoice in your salvation for a few. Do that in a few seconds. Thank you, Father, for I am saved. I have been begotten by you. Rejoice in your salvation. Make bold of it for some seconds. Thank you. The life you have, the world does not have it. Oh, thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a very important one. One of these days, I'm going to be taking you the doctrine of the Holy Communion. So many of you too then understand why this is done in case you do not understand. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the gift of your precious son, Jesus. Thank you for his body broken for our sakes and his blood shed upon the cross of Calvary for us. Jesus, your word says we should do this in remembrance of you. We approach this meal tonight with reverence and humility of heart, declaring your lordship over everything that we have and everything that we own. The Lord would actually have us rejoice more, you know, for the salvation of our souls. Can you rejoice more? Just rejoice. 
Boldly do so. Lako sherebo sharabaraba. Nesuna toniana manto nakote. Declare it. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Declare it tonight. Declare it. Thank you, Jesus, for I'm saved. Don't murmur it. Don't meditate it. Say boldly. Masura manto niana mante. Niko surakuri kepatu. Tapaluka palakasilakata. Hey! Thank you, Jesus, for your life that I have. Thank you, Jesus, for your life that I have. Thank you, Jesus, for your life that I have. I rejoice. I rejoice in this life. I rejoice. Thank you, Jesus, for your life that I have. If you're watching online, are you rejoicing? Rejoice in your salvation for some seconds. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the privilege to call you Abba, Father. Thank you for the grace to call you Abba, Father. We give you praise, Yahweh. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We partake of this tonight. We declare anything that cannot be found in you is not found in us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You see, one of the things I've always taught us and that we all need to always learn is how to be bold about your faith in Christ. Sylvia, can you hear me? How to be bold about your faith in Christ. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit, yet they were still praying that with all boldness they may go out. See, in this season of the word works, I'm going to be teaching you a message titled Walking on the Word. How not to keep your mouth shut. Listen, you've got to be bold about your faith. You've got to be bold about your salvation. You've got to be bold about it. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank Are you all excited? There is a joy that's come up. Come on, rejoice again. Oh, thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you praise. We are not ordinary. We are not ordinary. We are not ordinary. We are hidden in you. We are yours. You are ours. Nakoliana masulambo. Inga doliana masunante. Akushi nakozo prohompa karabate. Iparoko poko susunte. Rakapaluka tale katole gadha. This soul belongs to you, Jesus. This soul has no desire for evil. This soul is perpetually doing good. Nakaramakuno mo sunan. Nene kotoni gadia. Allah. Come on, be bold. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Open up your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost tonight. Make confessions. Prophesy over your life tonight. Prophesy over your life tonight. All things are working together for my good. Declare tonight. All things are working together for my good. Prophesy over your life. Prophesy over your life. All my needs are met. My needs are supplied. Nothing missing, nothing broken in my life. Nekusha namaso neketi hanamante. Iparuko poko suloko potolia. No infirmity is found in me or around me. Make bold, make bold, make bold, make bold. Be bold about it. Be bold about it. Be bold about it. Declare it. Let the devil hear you. Devil, I rebuke you over my affairs. 
Cast off your filthy hands over my destiny. All things are working together for my good. My steps are ordered by the Lord. 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 Nothing missing, nothing broken. I am highly favored. I walk in precision and accuracy. Prophesy over your life tonight. All that I lay my hands upon prosper. Where I do not expect to be helped, help shows up for me. Where I do not expect to be favored, favor shows up for me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I rebuke you, you nightmares. I rebuke you, you false spirit of mentioning me at night. All things are working together for me. All my needs are supplied. I walk in the power of the Spirit. I am no longer ordinary. I am no longer ordinary. The angels of the Lord encompass around me. The angels of the Lord encompass around me. Mighty My desire, my desire is to walk with you, my Savior, on this holy journey until I am no more. Listen, one of the things I'm teaching you all this year is the audacity of your faith. It is the capacity to be bold, as bold as a lion in makes them. Declare it again tonight in the name of Jesus. I am as bold as a lion. No timidity in me. No fears in me. The devil's lost the battle over my destiny. In the name of Jesus, in this year of multiplication, I multiply. In this month, I swore on the wings of eagles declare tonight in the name of Jesus I have sound mind I have clarity of mind I have sound mind what others are finding difficult I find them easy when others are saying there is a casting down I shall be saying there is a lifting up rejoice tonight my desire is to walk with you, my Savior, on this holy journey until I am no more. My desire, my desire. My desire is to walk with you, my Savior, until only journey, until I am no more. My desire, you have few minutes. My desire, my desire is to walk with you, my Savior, on this only journey, until I am no my desire prophesy over your destiny kapa luka ekushana manta palama sulakote ekoporobochi atapalaba nesunia na manto paramanto ekushara bato porokosi yaraba elusele ketele yaraba neregeni yaraba my desire 
My desire is to walk with you, my Savior, on this holy journey until I am known. How many of you wants to receive a heart that pants and yet for the Lord? Place your right hand on your chest and boldly declare this after me. Jesus, my heart pants for you. I said goodbye to the frivolities of this world. I said goodbye to the affairs of this world. My heart yet for you. More of you, oh God, more of you. More of you, oh God. My desire is to walk this holy journey with you until I am no more. Now go see an amati. My desire is to walk with you, my Savior. On this holy journey. On this holy journey, I'll see my desire. Sing it like a minute. My desire. My desire is to walk with you, my Savior, on this holy journey until I am known. Because you have rejoiced in the spirit tonight, things of rejoicing will not cease in your life. The God in whom you made bold your faith tonight will show up for you. You will not be ashamed of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Once I was young, now I am old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or sit back for bread. That becomes your testimony. Receive the capacity to stand. The capacity to remain bold. To walk in the realities of the powers Jesus has made available for you. Receive the graceful result, tangible result, evidential result, evidential result, evidential result. Eyes will see it, hear would hear it, mouth will talk about it. People will rejoice with you in the name of Jesus. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.